Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for your Ohio State Buckeyes. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. The big day, the big week, it has arrived. It is Ohio State Michigan week. Yes, I know you're not supposed to say the name of that school up north. I get it, but I said it. He's not, they're not Voldemort for God's sakes. Spencer, (laughs) it's here. We have waited. We have asked ourselves. We have we have benchmarked Ohio State against inferior teams, all in the name of can they beat Michigan? And that's where we are today. That's where we begin the show. Yeah, you're right. And this is um, this yeah, this is it. Like every conversation I think we've had about this team, whether it was about their matchup with Minnesota last weekend or Michigan State or Rutgers, it was always about measuring Ohio State against the eventual matchup they would have obviously with Michigan and we're finally here for some, for some Ohio state fans, like this is it. Cause like that, that was a conversation leading up to the season. And I think you actually had it on, on, on afternoon drive at 92 through the fan where you threw out there. Is it more important to beat Michigan or win a national championship? And I was appalled by the number of people who called in and said like, no, Michigan's more important. And I'm like, are you kidding me? The, the, the entire goal of, of season after season is, win a national championship for Ohio State. They have set the bar that high, but we're more worried about beating Michigan. So it's interesting, but I think this year with how Ohio State is, has played and some of the limitations at the quarterback position and all those different things that we've obviously hashed over and over again, I do think that this is a year where beating Michigan almost is is the most important thing. So yeah, it's it's a big one and, and well, we're all and, excited for it. And just to get to that real quick, and we're, we are going to have more of a hardcore breakdown in our second segment here coming up. So this is more kind of looking at all the circumstances leading into this game. And and what I and I, I hate saying this because you could literally do this about anything, what some are calling the biggest game in the history of this rivalry. Um, but I, I think when it comes down to it, most years, I think the most consequential thing you can do is win a national championship. Yeah. Uh, because, and even in this rivalry, because of the money, because of the amount of national publicity it gets you, because of the aid in recruiting, and because it is the ultimate, like, it is national relevance. And even though we love Ohio State and Michigan, and that does take center focus on the national level, it is forgotten about by the end of next week outside of Ohio and Michigan. And I just think, so like most years, if you said, Ohio State winning a national title or beating Michigan, which and I think people sometimes go, well, you can't do one without the other. Well, no, last year you damn near they almost did. One did. Without the yeah. Other. So yeah. I think last year proved like this this can be an or conversation. 
Most years, I'd take the Natty, right? This year, the stakes are just, one, I think, okay, let's get to the stakes first. One, it's two versus three. It is uh, the sign-stealing scandal as a backdrop. It is Ryan Day having lost two straight games, right? And like, and his job it, maybe being on the line here with this one, too? Well, and I think that's a great point. Like, you have two embattled coaches between, you know, Ryan Day because he's lost to Michigan two straight years and hasn't yet won a national title, and, and Jim Harbaugh because of the sign-stealing scandal. And it does feel like – I mean, honestly, guys, we should really think about it this way. If Michigan loses – I, I think that probably helps Jim Harbaugh out of town. Whether the boosters just decide, eh, it's no longer worth it, or whether he himself says, there's plenty of teams that would love to have me. This is my year to go back to the NFL. So like, and I think a loss helps you helps you even more than obviously, uh, or sorry, I think a win over Michigan helps push him out of town even more than a loss does. So I just got to tell you, man, like I think this is as big as the stakes get. And this year specifically, for me as an Ohio State fans, I I, I want to beat Michigan. I, I think that is just you know it. You, we can talk about the flights of fancy, the national propaganda, and all that stuff. And listen, if you if you win this game, you probably are going to the playoffs. Although that doesn't necessarily mean you can uh, win a national title, as we saw last year with Michigan going to the playoffs and getting uh, trounced by TCU. But like, I just keep coming back to this: your house is not in order. All right, it's been a sloppy couple of years. This is a good team. This isn't a great team. Beat Michigan, and we'll talk about everything from here on out. Yeah, I think you laid it out very well there. Just with the the, I, I think the two biggest things, Nick, for me, are that it has to be the sign stealing backdrop of all this, where you know everyone's basically sitting here touting. Well, Michigan wouldn't have beat Ohio State the last two years if not for stealing their signs. And so this Which, is like, do you believe that? I think I, – I wonder how much of an impact it had last year. I think the year before that, they were just flat out better. Like, I, I think two years ago, they just flat out dominated that game. I think last year, the difference was marginal, even though the score maybe didn't indicate that because I think, like, second half, they came out and they did some things. And that's where when you see a couple plays here or there that kind of changed the course of the game, you do wonder about that. Um, but I do think the last two years, they had a good enough team to beat Ohio State. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it all came down to that. But as we've kind of had the conversation, like, how much does that impact the game? Okay, we can say everybody's doing it. It's not that big of a deal. But it must have had some impact if they continue to do it. Is my so I'll be honest. I don't buy any of the, the coaches that said it's a 10-point swing. I think that is hmm. an outrage mob um, carrying torches. And I don't think it's why you've lost. I think Michigan's been a better, a better Big Ten team than you the last two years. They've been more physical. They've been able to exploit they your defense. Yeah. Um, they've been able to exploit your change in defense here, although we'll see if that holds this year in, in year two of Jim Knowles. So like I personally, and I, like I heard Ryan Day already talked about it this week, talking about the, the last two years, and, and I, I don't want to hear about it. I don't. I, to me, it, like I think it's I, – do I think it's, it's fevered the pitch between the fan bases? Yes, 100%, as it should. But do I think in the end that's why you've lost the last two games? No. And I think if you – to me, I think football is – I could tell you everything I'm going to call. I could say every single damn thing. Hey, here's what's going to happen. And if my team is more physical and is more determined, I'm going to win the play. And I do think, like – I almost think the most ridiculous part of the sign-stealing scandal is you didn't need this to win. You just yeah. needed to have the right identity and the right players well, and – 
the right quarterback, which you finally do have, you know, for the first time in the Harbaugh era and the first time since probably going back to the Lloyd Carr era. Yeah. Well, and that, that kind of goes to my larger point with what I was trying to say initially, which is, I think for Michigan, they, they want to win this game to validate the last two years of like, Hey, it wasn't about the sign stealing. We've just been the better team and we're going to prove it by going out and beating them again. Like, I think that's the angle Michigan fans are taking. I think the, the opposite side of that is like Ohio state's like, well, now that the level, the field, the, the, the playing field is leveled, if you will, um, what does that mean for Ohio State? Like, can they actually win at this time? And are they now better equipped to do that? Have they kind of been hit in the mouth a couple times where they're going to bounce back and do that and and, and respond in this way? So I think, like, the, the sign-stealing thing has put a just different perspective on all this, especially because you know Jim Harbaugh is not going to be there. And that's where the second big thing for me comes into play because I do think, like, it's not insignificant if Ryan Day loses to Sharon, a Sharon Moore coach Michigan team versus a Jim Harbaugh coach Michigan team. Like, I do think that that matters contextually to the conversation about whether or not he should be fired at the end of the season or whatever. I, I tend to lean, who else are you going to get? I, like, I know you're going to throw out the Luke Fickles of the world and some of these other names and whatever. I, there's going to be somebody who, uh, who obviously uh, beats the drum for Urban Meyer, like, oh, bring Urban Meyer back what, and all these different things. But at the same time, the guy is a recruiting uh, just goldmine right now. Everybody is coming to Ohio State. They're still building championship caliber teams. And like, yeah, he's he's hit this, this you know, bump in the row where Jim Harbaugh's kind of gotten the better of him in the last couple of years. But is that enough to just simply move on for, from him? For some people it is. But without without him even there on a, on a, on a Saturday, and I understand like people have thrown out, yeah, it's going to be his game plan and all these different things. I get that. But we all know, Nick, there's a difference where, where that difference comes into play is if you're in a tight situation in a game, like if Ohio State keeps this thing close and Sharon Moore's like, well, we're going to call this play versus that play, and that ends up being something that that determines the outcome or leads to Ohio State winning, then like, yeah, you wonder what happens in that situation if Jim Harbaugh's there. Like that stuff to me matters. And, and if, if, if we leave that game and feel like Ryan Day just flat out got – outcoached by Sharon, Sharon Moore, then I do think that there will be a conversation there. So those are the two big things for me. The sign-stealing scandal being a part of this to the point where Jim Harbaugh is not going to be there and what that means to Ryan Day if he now loses another game to Michigan without Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines. Yeah, I think the Sharon Moore thing is like just an extra little bit of spice if you're if you're Ohio State fans, you know? Like losing to Jim Harbaugh three straight years would be cataclysmic if you're Ryan Day. But then losing the first two years to Jim Harbaugh and then losing three years to a team plagued by two different scandals that cost Jim Harbaugh half the regular season and to a uh, to his uh, his offensive coordinator, I do think for a lot of fans, I think that'd be the final straw. Because here's the thing. I think logically, I think right now you're going into the final year of Gene Smith. You don't have a new AD um, hired yet. And I don't know that you would want to hire a new football coach and immediately yeah. then turn around and hire an AD. I think well, that, that matters. Is, that is that nightmare. Well, I don't, I, I, don't, I, don't I, I think I the safer gonna... play is to run Ryan day back for one more year, regardless of what happens. Yeah. yeah. But that's a, that's a logical thought. Right. When we get to we college know this fan football base doesn't fans, think logically. Well, it's not just the fan bases. <laughs> that's it, true. It's it all college football fans. Boosters like boosters yeah. are not logical because they're just really rich fans. And, and by the way, that's okay. That's not a criticism. But, like, 
I think losing to Sharon Moore might be just enough to really piss off boosters. I think it would be overreactionary. I think it would be uh, short-sighted. But yes, I to to what you're saying, I think 100%, if you lose to Sharon Moore, it is 10%, 15%, 20% worse than if you lost to Jim Harbaugh for the third straight year. Yeah, and I, I think you know the, the Gene Smith part of this is interesting too because if you're Gene Smith, you know you're leaving at the end of, of the spring. And right now, like you have the ability to say like, this is, you're able to put your legacy down on the table and say, Hey, look, I was here when we won a national championship. I did all these other things. I brought in Ryan or I, I, I was part of orchestrating Ryan day, taking over the job and Ohio state is a national title contender while I've been here. Okay. Do you really want your legacy? Cause, cause here's the thing. Like if you are part of a conversation or whatever sort of devolves from here, where you fire Ryan Day and then it's on you before you leave in the spring. Hey, hire a new football coach because it's not like they're gonna, they're not going to wait. Like they're going to obviously make him do it. You don't wait on these types of things. Then, then your legacy becomes like the only thing he'll be remembered for at the end of all this will be oh, remember when Gene Smith fired Ryan Day and then picked a new head coach? And if that head coach sucks and Ohio State, you know, goes back to the you know '90s Ohio State days where it was you know, just mediocrity before Jim Trestle took over, then that's what he's going to be remembered for. Like, like, is, is that something that he wants to leave as he steps out, steps out stage, right? Like, I don't, I don't think so. I I think he wants to be able to just kind of keep things status quo and leave that for the next AD to figure out. Well, and what I think is interesting about this year's matchup and these ridiculous stakes, right? Um, winner gets to go to the big 10 title game. Winner is assured a spot in the playoffs and, the loser really has to hope for some help like last year from the selection uh, committee and teams around them. I think the other big thing here is just, I think this year, you know, I think last year you looked at that team and and as an Ohio state fan, you win and saying, you know, listen, that even if they lose to Michigan, you turn this thing around and you go to the playoffs, you could still win the national title. And I think what's difficult this year is I think it's the inverse I think if Michigan loses this game, I could still see Michigan getting in because I think everybody knows they're incredibly talented. They've got a dynamic quarterback in J.J. McCarthy. They've got, I think, probably the best iteration of the team that they've had under Jim Harbaugh. And they were in the playoffs last year, even though that went the way it went. So, like, I could see you saying to yourself, if you're Michigan, well, even if we lose to Ohio State, we've won two straight, and if we just get in the playoffs, we feel like there's no one that can – there's nobody that's demonstrably better than us. Whereas if you're Ohio State, I think you're very similar to Michigan last year in one regard. I think you know that because Kyle McCord lacks, um, you know, some sort of dynamism – and because you have some holes, like your run defense is not flawless. Um, your your safeties have been banged up, and you've, you're really kind of lacking depth there. I do think offensive line wise, like you just you have so many holes. Yeah, it's tough to see concern. you winning. It's tough to see you winning a playoff game unless you get the perfect first round matchup. Let alone winning a national title. So this does like this year. This feels like the gold prize, and. I got to be honest with you, that should be new for, I don't know if that a lot of Ohio State fans are thinking that way, but that's a new feeling. Like usually it's like, it's like a checklist. Like, okay, we got to go beat Michigan. That, that should be a you know chore, but we'll beat Michigan. And then we got to go win the big 10 title game. That should be the easiest thing we do this month. And then we got to get ready to see whether we're one, two, three, or four in the playoffs. And I think this year, 
I really think like I, I I think if you're looking beyond this game, if you're Ohio State fans, I think you're I think you're magically thinking. I, I think I think this could very well end up being the Super Bowl, even if you do make the playoffs. I think this is the gold standard of this year. Yeah, I mean, I know we have some audio here that we'll play in a little bit. Just uh, Joel Klatt was on the Dan Lebetard show talking about sort of that exact thing. Like, how many SEC teams do you think are better than Ohio State, Michigan? So we'll get to that coming up. But I, I, I do think you're right, Nick. Like, it, it, previous years, you go into the season with the idea that a national championship is is the the end goal. I understand we sort of started the conversation talking about fans still value the Michigan game more than a national championship, which again is preposterous, but I think this year that is hundred percent true. Um, and I think like, that'll be, if Ryan day at least does that, like it'll calm down the masses. It'll calm down a lot of the, the criticism. It'll cool off the, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you got going I, on over there, Nick? <laughs> I'm in my kid's room. Recording. <laughs> This goddamn thing goes off <laughs> multiple times a day, and I have fixed it multiple times, and this friggin' alarm clock goes off. goes off about four times a day. I thought uh, I thought we were going to lose you to the ice cream truck or something I, outside. That's what I like. You, oh, listen, hey, hey, Spencer, you got to hold down the show for a few minutes. I got to go get me a, a, a nutty cone real quick. Let, let's be real honest. You're never safe if the ice cream truck is around, if uh, if it's in my neighborhood. But no, no. So I'd like to uh, I'd like to thank my daughter for screwing up the alarm for the fifth time that I fixed for about 17 times. And uh, we now return you to your regular regularly scheduled programming i think we found our clip for social media though for sure i think so yeah and that was that alarm was uh that was my michigan panic meter going off as we were talking about this ah game. there it is ah, full cut circle. it right there cut it full right there circle. full right, circle so i love it no I yeah I, wanna, I, can we actually play the joel yeah. platt audio yeah, yeah. real quick because i think it, i think it's really interesting backdrop to have the conversation about both sorry sorry no worries apparently the Apparently our intro is uh 17 minutes long because that's how long we're in the show and I thought it was over by now and apparently it wasn't over. Oh, still hey, you know what? There it's you. a good intro, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um all right, so yeah, here's the Joel Clad audio again. He was on the Dan Levitard show and you'll hear the question in this but but Dan basically asks him how how many SEC teams are better than Ohio State Michigan? How many SEC teams do you think are better than Ohio State and Michigan? One and uh, third, right? Like I, I, I think I think Alabama is good. I think that Alabama, Michigan, and Ohio State are all probably similar in the fact that they are very good football teams with question marks, and and areas of their team that I would have questions about whether they can play at the top end. I don't have those questions about Georgia right now. Georgia has won 28 straight games. They're clearly the best team in the country. They're marching towards a third national title. And, and in a lot of ways, they remind me a bit of what the Patriots did under Tom Brady. You know, Dan, like, the pa- the guy went to 10 Super Bowls. Why? Because everybody knew they had to they had to deal with Tom at some point. You know, and, you would, and, and a lot of times in Foxborough. Well, Georgia is starting to feel that way. Regardless of what goes on in September or even early October, you're going to have to deal with Georgia, and they're always going to be playing their best at the right time. How many SEC teams do you think are better than Ohio State and Michigan? I, I uh, got to say. Got to love Streamyard. <laughs> I, I got to say. In the audio. 
Um, Alabama scares me. Yeah, uh, Milrow, Milrow's ability as a runner, and I think he's developed a bit as a passer. Yeah. Um, Alabama scares the crap out of me, and I, I think, I think Alabama has a real chance to to upset Georgia in the SEC title game. Now, all that being said, I, I think he's one hundred percent right. I, I think it is. I think I think the one SEC team that are clearly better than Michigan and Ohio State is Georgia, and I. I got to be honest with you. I think that makes it really hard to find the right four teams because like, I I feel like you could end up putting in another TCU or another Michigan from last year where you're going to put in a team that looks good on paper, but in reality just doesn't have what it takes to to contend. And I worry that might be Ohio state. Like most Mm. years, I'm just happy to get to the playoffs, but like, you don't have a Penix. You don't have um, a Bo Nix. You don't have a J.J. McCarthy. And I do think like that kind of quarterback play matters when it yeah. comes to the playoffs. And I know J.J. McCarthy was in the playoffs last year and didn't what didn't look the same way he did against Ohio State. That doesn't matter. He's you know he's another year into his development. He is still a he still has that dynamic quality to him, as does pretty much every other team in the top six. Even Jordan Travis, who's now obviously hurt and out for the rest of his year, uh, for the rest of the year for Florida State, like even that was an advantage that team had over Ohio State. Yeah, let me let me ask you this because I feel like one of the one of the feathers in Ryan Day's cap is the fact that last year you got out physical by Michigan yet again, and then you turned that around because you snuck into the playoffs. And you almost knocked off Georgia, and there was there's there's always this conversation about like, well, Ohio State is built to win a national championship, but Michigan was built these last couple of years to win the Big Ten because they've been this more physical team and all these different things, mm-hmm. right? Do you subscribe to that at all this year? Like like with CJ Stroud, basically the difference between you feeling that way because I did think like in like if you give giving Ryan Day a month to prepare for a playoff game, I think clearly paid off last year where he had the right game plan in mind. Yes, you have C.J. Stroud, so that helps. And clearly, he was willing to use C.J. Stroud in different ways than he had before by utilizing him as a runner. I don't know if that was just like his break glass in case of emergency thing that he wasn't going to unveil at all, and he thought he beat Michigan without it. So he was like, oh, we'll just save that for the playoffs. I don't know if that was his mindset there. But like he clearly pulled some different things out, tried some different things, schemed up the right game plan, and had them in a position to win. And then, obviously, I think his defense kind of lets him down a little bit at the end. Marvin Harrison Jr. getting hurt, obviously, in that game was a big factor as well. But, it, like, do you trust it all, like, in this conversation of can they win a national championship, that if you give him a month to prepare, that it's not going to end up like TCU and Michigan last year. It's actually going to end up with Ohio State maybe surprising you and playing a closer game, even if they lose to a team like Georgia. I mean, yeah, I think I think it could be close, but like I, I think I think it I, one I think it depends what's your first round matchup. Like I, I think if you were to get Georgia the at this year as like the four seed, like if you were to lose to Michigan and somehow end up the four seed, I think that would be the worst possible matchup. I think this team needs an a week at that level to feel that level before you then go turn mm-hmm. on Georgia. Whereas I think Michigan. I think Michigan last year um, learned their lesson. I think they, I think they spent a lot of um, December kind of resting on their laurels, and I don't mean that literally because I don't know what was going through every day in the program. But I think they, oh well, we beat Ohio State. We're in the playoffs. We broke through. We feel confident. And then I think 
they kind of, I think they kind of probably didn't take TCU seriously enough because they should have kicked the crap out of that TCU team. That that was a good TCU team. It was not a truly great team. They had a high-powered offense. Basically, everything you did to Ohio State, you should have been able to do in spades uh, against uh, TCU. So, whereas, like, this year, man, like, I'll be honest. I, I think if Ryan Day has any stops to pull out, I think it's for this game. Mm. Yeah, like, I it. agree. He, well, I, I think I think you can pull him out for this game, but you gotta you're gonna have to utilize some of those similar things against a team like Georgia. But yeah, like you you you, you he has no choice with everything with the with what the conversation is around him. He has no choice but to pull out all the stops for this game because it could be his job if 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 not. So I'm with you there. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'd be curious. This is where I think the rankings come into play too, because like if Ohio State beats Michigan. I'm assuming you've got you got to put them back at one. Like you can't not put them one with a with a win over the number three team in the country. Like that's better than any win that Georgia has at this point, right? Maybe Georgia would jump them back if they beat Bama in the SEC championship game. But I would think you'd have to put them one if they somehow come up ahead of Michigan. And that that's where like the draw of if Ohio State makes the playoffs, the draw of who you get in a first round matchup, I think would be key. Because I do think like if you like you, if you want to avoid Georgia, you you're right. Like you don't want Georgia to be one, and you get in as four. Which would that the the likely scenario that happens is Ohio State loses to Michigan. Committee favors favors them with their schedule and all these different things, and lets them sneak back in like they did last year and backdoor their way in almost. But like you almost need to beat Michigan to put yourself at one, and then get the the easier matchup if you actually want a re- legitimate shot at a national championship. All right, guys, we are talking about Ohio State, Michigan, and we have arrived at the point in the show when we come back, we are going to get into the nits and the grits, Ohio State, Michigan, who we think has the edge, but first a word from our sponsors. Answer. It is that time. It is that most important of moments. That's right. It's time to get into the nits and grits of this game, Ohio State and Michigan in Ann Arbor on Sunday. And I'll be honest with you, um, my Michigan panic meter is 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 set aside here. Okay, in this game, this is as concerned as I've gone into an Ohio State Michigan matchup in recent years from the Ohio State side. Right, like I will give Michigan a, Michigan a hell of a lot of credit. They have, I think, what they've done with their roster the last couple of years. I've gone in saying, okay, this isn't a pushover, this isn't an easy win. You got to respect Michigan again, and I think that's that's awesome. But this is the first time I've looked at this roster, and I think there are three legitimate deficits that you have compared to them that I think could really hurt you in this game and make this game really tough, not just to win, but honestly that you could slide behind and and, and have to play catch up for most of this game. Well, I think that's the biggest thing they have to avoid. Um, I mean, we've talked a lot about the the falling behind, not falling behind, but just the slow starts rather in, in first halves and first quarters of games for Ohio State. You can't do that in this game. Like you've got to come out, whether you start with the ball, Michigan starts with the ball, get a stop and you got to score. Like you got to put, you got to, you got to put them behind the eight ball because I don't think Ohio state's offense is built for coming back. Like, yes, they've had, they put up a lot of points in second halves. And so maybe that, 
that's de- it's deceiving because you'd think like, oh, well, they could score a lot in the second half. So clearly they can come back from a deficit, but not against this team. Like you can't put yourself behind like that. I don't think they're built for that. So I think scoring early and sort of being able to keep pace with Michigan, whatever they do, keeping it within one score coming out of the first half is going to be a big key for them. And I think you're right about the deficits because these are two, at least statistically, uh, good run defenses. Ohio State, I think, is like 18th. Uh, Michigan is top 10. They're 8th, I believe. Um, but this this run game is obviously different than ones that we've seen previously. And I think the last couple of weeks you saw that where they really leaned on the run game. I think they had 40-plus attempts in the la- each of the last two games, which are their two biggest games. Um, I, I, I do wonder about that a little bit, Nick, because – like am I a little bit worried about Michigan's run game yes of course but I also wonder like what does that say about JJ McCarthy is that just like a they were just flexing like oh we don't need him and we were saving some stuff for the Ohio State game for him because I I I think he's a good quarterback do I think he's the Heisman candidate that people were making him out to be no like a lot of that was inflated by playing Colorado States and Youngstown States or whatever whoever the hell else they played so I don't know that I buy that he's like incredible. I think he's a little reckless at times. And the fact that he hasn't necessarily thrown the ball a lot or been counted on to be put in tight spots a lot, that makes me feel a little bit better on the Ohio State side of things, that if Ohio State can keep this game close and it's up to him to make a play, that maybe Ohio State's defense can get one on. So I want to get to JJ in just one second here, but I think yeah, there's I said a, a perfect, lot there. I'm sorry. No, no worries. No worries. <laughs> I think there's a perfect stat that encapsulates why you can't start slow against Michigan. Michigan has the eighth most points scored in the first half in all of college football this year at 21 points per game in the first half. Mm-hmm. In the first quarter, they're scoring 12 points per game. So more than half of their first half production is coming in the first quarter. That is ninth in college football, whereas Ohio State is averaging six points per game. That's half of what Michigan's averaging in the first quarter alone. And those numbers, by the way, are actually, and that's 56th in the country in first quarter scoring if you're Ohio State. And the reason why I throw a bunch of numbers at you is those numbers are inflated by the Michigan State win. So I I just think this is one of those games where you really have to attack and be aggressive. And I think this is honestly like – this, this feeds back into Kyle McCord and Ryan Day and this Ouroboros effect of who's holding whom back and Ryan Day's lack of like, this is who I am as a coach. And I think maybe that's why, I think that's maybe why Michigan's been able to steal, I don't want to steal, no, they won the last two games is because Jim Harbaugh has a definitive identity, right? They run the ball 56% of the time with a guy in JJ McCarthy who absolutely could have been the Heisman finalist this year. Right. And they just kind of pulled back. And I think there's some reasons for that. And we can talk to that in a minute. But like, I think Jim Harbaugh knows exactly who he is as a coach, exactly what he wants out of his team. And I think Ryan Day kind of gets lost in the wheel of possibilities because his team is so talented. He can try and find a million ways to win. That's not you this year. This year, you better damn well know who you are in this game and and what you're going to do against Michigan. Because if you don't, that's how all of a sudden they can get out to a 14 nothing lead in the first quarter alone. And you're and, and all of a sudden you have to say, well, sorry, Travion, we want to go to you, but but Ryan's gonna do what every young offensive-minded coach does in that scenario, which is we're gonna try and throw the ball 50 times, which is the situation you can't find yourself in this game 
because of your offensive line, because of their ability to generate pressure and their their defensive line, and because it's I think it's an easier game if you can take Travion Henderson out of the the equation here and you put it on a Buka Stover, um, Carnell Tate, um, Maserati Marv. If I think that's what you want if you're Michigan. You want Ohio State to yeah. feel the need to throw the ball as much as possible because I think I just think listen, it's simple math. It's easier to have to worry about just all the great receiving options you have and be able to forget a little bit about Travion Henderson. So I, I really think it, you, you have to start fast. You have to score first if you're Ohio State. And if they score first, you better damn well match it in that first quarter. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what's interesting too about this matchup, and it's almost reminiscent of we spent a lot of time here in Cleveland talking about this this Brown Steelers matchup that played out this past weekend. I, I think it's a similar sort of outlook. Like going into that game, we all said the Browns had to play this they had to beat the Steelers at their own game. And I think the same thing applies here. Like I think the the key in this game for both teams, the the idea the the path to winning for both these teams is truly get your run game going and rely on your defense to get stops when you need it. And I think that's kind of how this season has played out for both these teams anyway. I mean, we saw that last week with Michigan. Their defense got the turnovers and the stops that it needed. Their run game was the the star. I think when Ohio State has Travion Henderson doing what he's been doing the last couple of weeks, he looked really, really good last week against Minnesota. Like, he's fully healthy. Like, he can be an absolute threat. He's a Heisman candidate, I think, in his own right if he plays and stays healthy and he's out there on the field. So I, I think the philosophy to winning – is very, very similar for these two teams, and it's it's forced the quarterback to make the plays. Like, I, I think J.J. McCarthy is better than Kyle McCord, but I do think Ohio State's going to probably try to do the same thing. Like, okay, let's slow down their run game and make J.J. McCarthy, who hasn't really been tested much this season, be the guy to beat us. And I think Michigan's probably thinking the same thing. Let's try to see if Kyle McCord can beat us. But I, we'll, we'll get to McCarthy again more. I do want to also add that, I do think the biggest concern I have for Ohio State is their offensive line. It's been an issue all year. We know in this matchup, the being out physical on the line of scrimmage has been an issue for this team, and I worry about that. I also think, too, one key place that I think could determine – well, two, two actually key places. Time of possession. Michigan has dominated time of possession this year. Mm-hmm. I think if you're Ohio State, you need a drive like uh, Maryland had – I think it was in the second quarter last week. It was like a 75-yard, like 17-play drive or something like that. You need drives like that that take like chunks of time off the clock to keep the ball out of Michigan's hands. I think that's a key. I also think third down is going to be a key in this game. You could probably say that about a lot of football games. But last week, Maryland held uh, Michigan without a third down conversion in the second half. They converted a couple fourth downs after that to keep drives kind of alive. But I think Ohio State's going to have to get off the field on third down. And I looked this up. Ohio State actually has a top 10 third down defense this year. And I think that carries some weight because you've played some better teams than Michigan has. Michigan has the 14th ranked third down defense. So two really good third down defenses as well. And I think that's going to be, you know, which team staying on the field longer, I think could be a, a key element of who wins this one. I think the O-line concerns are fair. I do think in the run game, since Travion came back, I I think you've seen them play better. I don't know if that's because Travion Henderson is that dude or if they've just kind of progressed there. I think pass pro, I think pass pro is still the biggest concern here. And if you had a different quarterback, it wouldn't be as, this is, this is again, that catch 22 of 
You've got a you've got a, a quarterback that's an okay, fine enough quarterback with a lot of with a lot of potential, but he's not mobile. And then you've got an offensive line that probably is better in run run uh, run protection, run blocking than they are pass pro. And like oh, and then you've got a quarterback that's a little skittish. And I think I got to tell you, I think there's a catch twenty two on Michigan side of things too, because I think that identity is how they've been able to beat a lot of teams in uh, the Big Ten. But don't don't forget, like last year, last year with the, with Michigan, Ohio State dared JJ McCarthy to throw down the field, and then he did, and Michigan won. But so like, but I do think last year the difference was. That defense was susceptible to big plays, and like that was evident in that game fully. That they just kept getting beat, and it was like throwing it up, and it was like there was a lot of plays where it was like 50-50 ball, and Ohio State just lost because the because Michigan had some dudes in their secondary just blew the coverage. Like this year, this defense is playing a lot better, and I think that, that I think there is a lot of pressure on Jim Knowles as much as there's a lot of pressure on Ryan Day to show up defensively in this game in particular. Because last year they didn't, I, and that was a big reason they lost. I would encourage everybody who is overly confident about Ohio State's defense through the air to, to watch the, the Notre Dame game. I, I know I know they didn't score a lot of points um, in, in Notre Dame, uh, in South Bend, but Notre Dame had some significant success, especially early in that game, throwing over the top. And I just think, like, I, I again, I, I think it's just, I think, Ohio State's defense, if you can get them through the air, you're going to be able to get them through the ground. I don't think the reverse works. Like, if you if you pound them on the ground, I don't think it automatically opens up more things down the field. And I think McCarthy is still that guy. And I think it comes down to health, really, with J.J. And if you feel he's healthy enough, I think you have to take a couple shots down the field if you're Michigan. Because – if you if we just say all right we're gonna we're gonna line up and we're gonna run the hell out of the ball which they should do they're great they're a great running team they run fifty six percent of the time versus you lining up and running the, the ball your margin for error is nil okay you really don't I mean you you just you, because both teams are playing the same style of ball both teams trying to steal as much time as they possibly can and that's going to keep the game close the one opportunity on either side of this is to push the ball down the field and I'll say this. Since that Notre Dame game, the safeties have not gotten any healthier. You've not gotten any more depth there. And it really, a lot of the corner, I think Ohio State's got a lot of future stars in their secondary, but right now it's Denzel Burke. Everybody else to me is, is good, not great. So that's a lot of pressure to put on one player, even with Michigan's Roman Wilson being out in this game. I I think, I think what Michigan tries to do through the year is really fascinating. I think I saw Raymond Wilson's going to play. I think I saw them reported that he said he'll be good to go. Now, how effective he'll be, I think, is another question. But, um, yeah, I, th- I mean, that's obviously a key element for their offense. But, um, yeah, th- that's fair. I also do subscribe, certainly, to the idea that teams get better generally as the season goes on. What Ohio State was back in, what was that, week four they played Notre Dame is not necessarily the same as they are now. They've been a little bit more tested at this point. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, we all know Michigan's the the true test. And maybe I'm, you know, completely blind to this and 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 not seeing the forest through the trees in terms of they're still susceptible to some bigger plays over the top. But we haven't seen it this year. And I think that's the difference is like last year it was a constant. You could have been playing Rutgers, Maryland, Michigan State. Like they would still hit for some big plays every now and then. And you'd be like, oh, that's a concern. This year I think they've limited those and even those some of those other minor matchups or lesser matchups 
So it, may, it gives me a little bit more confidence, but you're right. Like McCarthy put it on tape last year. He can do that if you, if he needs to. Um, but I still think um, I, I, I'm more worried about the Michigan run game and then just kind of trying to bully you up front than I am. I am a JJ McCarthy. Well, and here's what I'll tell you. I, I think when it comes down to the run game, part of things where you're talking about, I would, if you really want to see what you think of this run game, go back and see Penn state in the middle of that game, go back and see Rutgers early in that game where Manungai just was really able to carve you up. I, I do think like yeah. there were points where you struggled with teams with who had a specific big 10 physical style on the ground. And Michigan is the mother of all those teams. And so I, I, I think here's the thing. James Franklin does not know who he is, so he is he is likely <laughs> to go away from the run, which he did. I mean, that was the dumbest thing you could have done in a very close game. And the second that Ohio State started scoring, um, James Franklin kind of panicked. Um, even Greg Schiano, I mean, I, I think he kept trying to run, and Ohio State just kind of toughened up against it. But, like, there were some moments where he could have just kept running Manungai or, or throw Wimsett in there just a little bit more that's not what Michigan's going to do. And I think I think this is a great opportunity for Jim Knowles' defense to prove that it can stop on all fe- all three phases of, of the defense. And I, I think it's – meaning, can you rush the passer? Can you stop the pass? And can you stop the run? And yeah. I, I think – I think this is a really great defense for Ohio State, but I think this is a defining moment for this year's defense, how great they can truly be. Because I do think Michigan can out-physical you, and that's not where you want to be. And I think Michigan can out-air you if they need to as well. Or Sorry, they can attempt to out-air you if if they need be. And so, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go back and say this. Like, this is as unconfident that's not how we talk um this is the most confidence i've lacked in the ohio state side of things since probably the lloyd carr era you know like yeah. where where it really felt like it was a toss-up on any given game so we do have more to get to with this game when we come back we're going to get into our michigan panic meter i think we should just do full-out predictions and then of course we'll have four uh, oh, fourth God. and short as well Oh, uh, yeah, I'm going to make you do it. We're gonna no, pull I, I, I'm out of the prediction game. I'm, I've, nope. I've, I've retired for a, nope. a little this while. Is your time. This is your time to make up for any crow that you've eaten oh, this year. Man. But first, a word from our sponsors. Final segment of today's Sons of the Shoe podcast. Don't forget, rate, subscribe, follow everywhere you get your podcasts. We are a new podcast. We uh, we beg for your patronage, especially if you're Uncle T. Yeah, we um, definitely I, beg for his patronage. I, I, I got to say. Hey, that, that episode did numbers, though. Mr. Did, T, maybe Mr. T was watching because yeah. uh, decent amount of viewers on that one. I liked it. Any Uncle T's out there, even the Creepers, if you just want to Venmo us some money, we will take it. We'll get that set up. Well, but, the, the, the uh, dream catchers behind you might lure them in. So that's a- Yeah, I know. I know. I, I look like I'm a member of Nambla with this behind me. I assure you, it is my daughter's room, and it's my, my wife's- Nick getting uh, ready for another Waco over here. So I know, no, no, no David Koresh situation. <laughs> no, nothing to worry about here. I just needed a temporary space because my wife actually had to work today. My wife? Now, we get to the Michigan <laughs> panic meter, and for all of those who are new to the bit, new to the show, 
We start at um, gray is the least level of panic, then light gray, white is neutral, then light scarlet, and then, of course, scarlet, which is the highest level of panic. I have been in the white area this whole time, or for the last couple of weeks, and that's where I'm staying. Like, the reality is, I think Ohio State has real deficits. I don't think Michigan's perfect either, and we didn't necessarily harp on that a whole lot because this is obviously the Michigan, or the Ohio State side of things. I think, I think, I think there are a lot of Ohio State homers out there, and I'm talking about in the media. I'm not talking about fans. Fans are allowed to be homers, but I think there's a lot of Ohio State homers going too far into what this Ohio State team has proven. I am intrigued. I expect a very close game, but to suggest that I am, I'm not as confident as I was last year, and I'm sure as not as confident as I was two years ago, and I think that has to be addressed here, but I will stay in the white. Uh, I'm actually going to join you in the white. I know I was in light gray. I have moved it back sort of to the middle here. Um, I don't know. I it, It's interesting to me, Nick, because I do think like this feels very similar to two years ago with the opposite sort of storylines where it's like Michigan has no chance against Ohio State. They're just the better team. They're going to blow them out of the water. And then they sort of shock the world, right? And that that, that kind of I don't want to sound cliche and coach speaky, but I do like there, there is some sense of because Ohio state's kind of been tested and they've been through some things and they know they're not that, you know, just running gun blow you out team this year that maybe they can, they, they actually have a shot in this game. And I also always do feel like generally in this matchup, I know the last two years, Michigan kind of got away from them. Mm-hmm. There was even times that when, when Ohio state was the better team and Michigan kept it close. I think this almost is one of those throw the records out type matchups a lot of the time. So I think it, I think they can keep it close. And as we know, in in this sport, like so, if it's a one possession game, man, anything can happen. So I I have a little bit of optimism, and more than I did probably at the start of the season, where I thought this team could lose two or three games. And I'm I'm going into it with that sort of set, that that sort of mindset. Like it would be awesome if they pull this off. It kind of feels like one of those weird years where like maybe they're going to shock everybody and people are counting them out. So they go out and they do it. And that'd be awesome. So we'll see if it happens. But I'm I'm joining you in the white. All right. So with this, we're going to hold our predictions for uh, the very last second in the show. That brings us to fourth and short. So on first down, um, I think with Ohio with Iowa pretty much locking up. Not pretty much. They're locked in to go to the Big Ten title game. I'll ask you: Can Iowa challenge either Michigan or Ohio State in the Big Ten title game? Uh, if it's a Michigan, I'm going to say no, because I think we'll see similar to last year. If it's Ohio state, I guess it depends on how you define challenge them. Like I could see them keeping it close. If Ohio state gets off to one of their, uh, characteristically slow starts, mm-hmm. but I think Ohio state would eventually pull away just because they have the talent to do it. And, and, you know, Iowa's always good for like 13 points. And I think Ohio state scores more than 13 points. I think Iowa can make it uncomfortable for either team. I think that defense is for real. I think ultimately they lose, but I don't see this being uh what was the Wisconsin year with Cardell where it's like 40 to nothing. I don't I don't see it being that. Second down. Could this be or will this be uh Ohio State offensive coordinator Brian Hartline's last regular season game as the OC in Columbus? I'm going to say no. Um I think he's back at least one more year. It depends on the jobs that are out there. Like, do I think that a team like Texas A&M is really ready to take the leap to a guy who's never even like called plays? I don't think so. Um, I think he's, I think he, I also think Ohio State's just going to back up the Brinks truck. Like, Hey, you'll hear shortly after the season ends, like, Oh, 
we're going to give this guy another uh, pay raise just to be our offensive coordinator. And maybe Ryan Day eventually starts giving him more responsibilities as kind of time goes on. So I think he's back one more year. But I do think like the people who just blindly assume that he's never leaving Ohio State and in some you know moderate role that's not a head coach are just they have their heads up their asses. Like he interviewed for the Cincinnati job. Do you think that was just for shits and giggles? Like, dude, he at some point someone's gonna come calling and have the money to do it, and Ohio State's gonna have to either shift him to head coach or you know let him go. Yeah, I think it, what's tough is trying to find the right job for him. Right now, there's not a lot of jobs out there. So, you know, I don't see a Cincinnati job. I mean, obviously, uh, Scott Satterfield, it's an unmitigated disaster, but I don't see them firing him after one year. Um, and I like trying to find, like, the right Big Ten job. Because, like, it, it used to be, well, okay, you're a good positional coach, you're a good coordinator in the Big Ten, go to the MAC or go to this group of five conference. Now, I mean, we, I just feel like we're seeing more and more uh, coordinators go directly to, to power yeah, five jobs. True. And like, I don't know, would, would Pitt interest, if Pat Narduzzi gets whacked in Pitt, would that kind of job interest Brian Hartline? Because I'll be honest with you, I think that's a really tough first job yeah. as a head coach. I think. I also think if you're if you're Hartline, like you weigh it, right? Like, do I, you, I feel like if you're Hartline, you have all the leverage. Because you can either say, I'm going to stay at Ohio State where I'm recruiting every all the best receivers in the country, have a chance to win a national championship, and that's only going to increase my profile every year. Or go to a team like Pitt and struggle in your first year and all these different things. So I don't know. I don't know if he's going to make a leap like that. I think it has to be the right job for sure. I don't know if it's out there. Like Indiana's not going to do it for him. Um, no. Let's see. Houston, uh, I mean, I know that's where Tom Herman went. But again, I, I just – I don't think if those jobs here's, open up, I don't think there's a really great job for him. Here's a quick question. If Ryan Day gets canned, if they lose to Michigan and he gets canned, is he on the table for Ohio State to give him the job? I mean, I think he'd be on the table. I don't think he should be the first guy up. I, I think Fair. I think you approach Vrabel. I think you approach Fickle. I think you go to all the guys who've been waiting for their chance – um, I don't think you go to Urban for obvious reasons. He's too busy <laughs> goosing young co-eds. Old Irby two ditch. <laughs> now that being said, let's move to third down. And uh, this uh, this is a moment of bliss, as it were, from Dave Holmes of WBNS in Columbus. He has great. rewritten the Pure Michigan campaign for the good folks in Ann Arbor. No Tim the, Allen on this one. No Tim Allen, although I'm sure he would have done it for the right amount of money. There's a place where the sunrise meets the horizon, where the water meets the shore, and the truth meets the trash can, where even the deepest of Great Lakes don't run as deep as the network of spies, where all your worries can just disappear, like a linebacker coach in the middle of a season. It's a state of beauty, a state of tranquility, but above all, a state of denial. We'll take your tourism dollars, we'll take your signs, but we won't take accountability. Because joining our voices together to sing hail to the victims, it's got to be America's team, is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michiganfan.blueandon.messageforconspiracy.org. I won. It's that so was good. <laughs> um, my two favorite things were the linebacker coach disappearance line by Dave Holmes. And the second one was 
uh, uh, the state of denial. That those the are state the of the denial is good, and they have the little Sharom uh, Sharom Moore pop up, and then yeah. I love I love like just the quick little pause where he has just enough time for Jim Harbaugh to sound like the oldest man ever, oh. popping in like it, it's got to be America's team. Yeah, <laughs> I I will say though they so that that um that broadcasting campaign uses the music that I think is from cider house rules, which is a movie from like 2000 with Tobey Maguire and Charlize (laughs) Theron, which was a movie that Uh, no 15 year old boy should ever like, I got to be honest with you. It's a little Pavlov's dog. Every time that I, I think of that music and that movie, I then think of Charlize Theron naked, which had a profound impact on 15 year old Nick Wilson. And I'll be honest with you. Action happens, okay? I'm not proud of it. I'm a happily married man. I'm not trying to be disgusting here, but I'm just saying that it's so confusing to have the Cider House All Rules right. music be the music for the godforsaken pure Michigan because every time it just moves just a little bit, just enough. All right, well, I think that we, we've had enough peens on this show. To uh, I think we can t- we can table fair. that, that's for sure. The number one peen show in all of college football. Number one that college means- football peen show. That's, that's Yes, not enough of that in college football. Uh, fourth down, where will Ohio State be ranked this week? Uh, they're going to they're gonna stay where they're at. They're going to stay too. I, I don't think there's much change with I, – I honestly think the bigger question is – what happens with Florida State now that Jordan Travis is out? I, I think that's the only change we could see. I think it's going to be Georgia State, same spot. They're going to keep Ohio State and Michigan where they're at. Michigan had a little tougher game against Maryland. Ohio State took care of business and theirs pulled away. So it'll be two versus three going into the going into Ann Arbor this weekend. And then I think four is where it gets interesting because you have Washington, who still has the best win at this point in the country. Um, and you have Oregon, who I think when they meet this a second time, I think Oregon is is poised to maybe even leapfrog them. And I think Florida State's quarterback situation really – I mean, it's hard because do you pull them out just because of that or do you give them a chance to prove that they still belong? That's, I guess, the question. I don't know. I think Ohio State is ranked two, though. But I think next week, to your point earlier in the show, I think next week could be really intriguing if Ohio State – beats Michigan. And honestly, I think it's intriguing if Michigan beats Ohio State, especially if either team wins in a blowout. And that brings us to prediction time, Spencer German, for the big game. Ohio State, Mm. at the moment, I just looked, is a a three-and-a-half-point dog on the road. The over-under is set at 46. Where are you going with this? Uh, I really didn't want to do this. I was trying to stay away from any predictions because I've made some bad ones of late. But I'll say... That makes me want you to predict it even more. I'm going to say Michigan 31, Ohio State 27. Oh, did we just predict a loss, young man? You should know this about me by now. I set myself up to be pleasantly surprised so that when I come in on Saturday night uh, after the game, if they win the game, I can just be this guns a-blazing, throwing out slander at Michigan laughing at Sharon Moore, crying again. Like, I'll have all the ammunition I need if they somehow pull this win off because I set myself up to be disappointed, and then I'm less disappointed if they lose. You've been the bigger homer. the Ever since Sharon Moore cried, you've been the bigger homer on the show, and now you're making me set up to be the bigger homer because I have Ohio <laughs> State – Winning twenty four to twenty. No, you don't. You did this. Uh, you did this just because I picked them to lose. That's nope, exactly what nope. this is. Ohio State twenty four, uh, Michigan twenty. 
And I am very terrified of this game, but I honestly think like if you're Michigan, I, I think Marvin Harrison Jr., Travion Henderson, Mecca Buka coming back big in the Michigan game and that Ohio State defense are enough to scare you as well. 24-20, um, Ohio State wins in the big house, and they are on to the Big Ten title the, game. Is that, the, is that – no, you, you went over too. I was going to say, is that the under? Oh, no, no, the over – so, so it's uh, – I actually I actually clear the under by two points because yeah. the over is 46 points, at least as I was looking at it just two moments ago. All right, guys, once again, we're here to beg. Please rate, follow, subscribe to the Sons of the Shoe podcast, wherever you get your podcast. We're going to see if we can pump out a couple extra episodes. Of course, we're going to have the live uh, college football playoff selection show rankings uh, reaction. Good God, that was a lot of words in a row. Uh, Tonight on the 92.3 The Fan YouTube channel, if you are watching this a a day after, you can still find that under the live tab on the 92.3 The Fan YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcast. So rate follow subscribe uncle t i could still use your money bro even though i took ohio state (laughs) michigan i can't tell you enough just slide just buy me a really nice house and i'll just i'll just sing your praises no sex stuff because that's not how we work here all right i'm not a sex worker and you wouldn't want me to be all right guys ohio state over michigan it's gonna happen i will see you later in the week